I'm honored and excited to announce that I want to know has their first sponsors. First, Dr. James McIntyre and his team at Adjust Your Health in North Calgary. When I met Dr. James almost 20 years ago, I was taking a bucket load of Advil every week just to get through my day, like 16 to 20 a day. Not to mention the alcohol and other substances I would take at night so that I could sleep. I suffered from chronic back pain due to car accidents, sports injuries, and repetitive motion damage from being uh, in the drywall industry. I worked in the trades for nearly 20 years, had more than 10 car accidents, three very serious ones, and some severe sports-related injuries. Most of the chiros I saw could only give me temporary relief. I was, uh, it was getting expensive and very depressing to know that I would see some of these chiros and only get temporary relief, but wake up the next morning in pain. I was lucky that the last chiro I saw said she couldn't help me and directed me to Dr. James McIntyre. After only a few visits, I felt tremendously better. Most of my pain had left, my mobility was coming back, and I didn't need as much Advil. If I remember right, it was only a few months, and I was almost completely off the pills. Life was getting better. I've known Dr. James and his crew for almost 18 years. I've referred almost everyone I know to him, and they have become Adjust Your Health advocates. The team at Adjust Your Health offers a wide array of services, including acupuncture, massage therapy, chiropractic, and physiotherapy. They believe in a multidisciplinary approach to patient care and use a variety of techniques to help the patient achieve their goals, from pain relief or injury resolution to improving sports performance. Calgary is very privileged to have such a highly qualified team of practitioners available to accommodate your health and well-being needs. If you are in pain or an athlete or just want to be as healthy as possible, check them out at www.com. A-Y-H-Calgary.com. Our next sponsor is Paul Nye, an amazing artist out of Verdre, Alberta. I've admired his artwork for years. He's been mostly doing airbrush work to customize motorbikes, cars, boats, hard hats, and signs. The work is stunning to see. You can get all your custom work done with Paul at Reaper Creations at 3700 McCool Street, Crossfield, Alberta, just a half hour north of Calgary. That's not all. I don't want to take the light away from his airbrushing, but his tattoos are out of this world. His ability to bring tattoos to life with shading and color will astound you. The skill set he has as an airbrush artist transferred seamlessly to tattooing. You can get your next tattoo with Paul at Shellshock Tattoo and Piercings at 920 36th Street, Northeast Calgary. We have featured some of his art on our YouTube video, and we have had him on the podcast. Paul is second to none as an artist and a person. You can also check out his art at Nice Tats or Nice Touch on Facebook and Instagram. And now, on with the show. I want No. Podcast. With Chad Ferguson. Hey everybody, this is Chad, and I want to know... A kick-ass podcast. We're back here with an old friend from way back in the beginning when we started the podcast, David Harder, a psychedelic expert, uh, runs um, uh, psychedelic experiences for people. How's it going? Awesome. Lots of new things coming in, eh? Yes. Yeah, it's an exciting time to be alive. I know. It's. Uh, uh, we were just talking off air about uh, Paul Stamets possibly moving to Vancouver, but you were thinking that he's maybe down in Oregon now. Yeah, Dennis has moved there. Dennis McKenna is another big name in the industry, and so he's 
Good what, to have back What was home. his brother's name again? Terrence McKenna. Terrence. He wrote yes. all the books about psychedelics yep. back in the day in the yep. 80s, right? He's, yeah. Yeah, he's kind he, of the The pioneer. eloquent spokesman for the psychedelic movement. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So what's new with you guys? Um, big thing is probably the biggest thing is the conference coming up next May, which is almost a year away, but yeah. we're already putting that together. Uh, psychedelic Research Conference. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's... The whole book could be written about that already. It's just great stuff coming together. There was a pile of doctors I saw when yes. they're coming into town. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, over, well, probably three quarters of them are PhD or doctor level Yeah, uh, people from around the globe. There's one of the, one of our most exciting guys, Dr. Ben Sessa from uh, England. Yeah. He's from uh, doing a lot of research over there with trials and different psilocybin and MDMA trials that they're working with. They're allowed to do it over in England now? Uh, under therapeutic... Trial license okay. is what they're doing. Is that the same thing that's happening? Was it in Denver? They're just no Denver, Colorado, and also uh, Oakland, California is a very different thing. They actually had the city pass a decriminalization law, which simply means they're telling their their authorities to turn the other way if they see mushrooms. Okay, and in uh, the case of Oakland, California, it's anything plant based psychedelic. Very cool. So mescaline, mushrooms, ayahuasca. Peyote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm really looking forward to the research that they're doing on this because I think that it got Mm -hmm. such a bad rap back in the day for for many different reasons. Mm -hmm. Of course, with every um, pharmaceutical drug or even the legal drugs that we have now, there's some people that are going to get hurt by it. But for the most part, if they're used properly, I think they can be super beneficial for people. Yeah, and are already. They're being used all over the world, sometimes in the gray market or dark market, but... Yeah. Many places now in where it's legally okay to do, like Peru and in the Amazon and different places, people are, are flying down there in droves yeah, yeah. to experience these, these psychedelic medicines yeah. in a medicine <clears throat> therapeutic setting, not in a let's go trip and party. Of and yeah, yeah. 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 I, uh, I have friends that are in the medical field in Western medicine in Canada that um, mm-hmm. because you were on the podcast were asking me about it. And uh, in my younger days, I did uh, acid and um, never did psilocybin or anything else. Mm-hmm. So the only psychedelic was really probably pot or, or LSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and back then, I wasn't really therapeutic. It was, mm-hmm. I was a teenager being a bonehead running around the city, uh, cooked out of my skull. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't yeah. dangerous. Like it no. didn't. Like you, you still can be very thoughtful and yeah. be very, very intuitive and um, very cognitive of what's going on. You just yeah. have a way different view than you do when you're sober. Yeah, yeah, it's a different realm, right? Yeah. LSD and mushrooms both are fractionally less dangerous than alcohol. I would agree. And yet, alcohol, we you know beer at lunch, no big deal. Yeah, I have no issue with it. But the damage that it can do when it's abused compared to what does happens with mushrooms or LSD or these other psychedelics, yeah. even if they're not used intentionally, are way less dangerous. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But it's just all the stigma. Yeah. That has been Where do you think that all out. came from? Oh. Probably the alcohol industry? <laughs> My hunch was the war. Yeah. Vietnam War. They were, people were waking up and going, oh, wait, we shouldn't be killing people over there for no reason. Right. And the LSD was helping them understand these things. Right. And they were going, no, I'm not going to sign up for your war. Yeah. And there was a large uprising. That's a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but that's <laughs> leaning that direction. I've heard of other people talking about that where yeah. <clears throat> they were having these enlightening moments 
on LSD or mushrooms or MDMA and and well because was the MDMA around back then? Not so much. It was really I mean it was starting to be used in therapy as well, but LSD was the big therapeutic one. Yeah. Back in the day when it was illegalized. And to to bring a little more love in the world, a little more caring in the world, a little bit mm-hmm. more, you know, being cognitive of your own thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. Can't imagine that being harmful. Yeah. You're <laughs> preaching to the choir. <laughs> no kidding, eh? Yeah. So what what are they trying to accomplish with this conference coming in May? Uh, a couple of reasons. Educate. We want people to know what really is happening because yeah. so many people just look at even my own life and I'm working with these drugs um, and think that it's just people trying to become hippies again and tripping out in the forest. Yeah. Uh, so really educating on what is happening in research, in the science, what these things are made of, how they work in our brains. Like there's some very... Like you talked about the doctors. These are highly educated people yeah. that are coming to explain what's going on yeah. and how they work, what they're doing, what things they can be applied for. Um, destigmatization is a big one as well. Yeah. is just to really take away that that idea that these are bad. Right. That they're, they're lumped in with cocaine and heroin and fentanyl. Like these are not the same class of, of medicines. Right, they're right. Very, very different. Yeah. I would think that... Um that money doctors coming together. I'm hoping that media will get on board and, yep. and promote this as much as they possibly can. And, and so people can have an understanding. I'm still a little fearful that people are, are not going to be like the, the general news media is not going to want to have part of this. It's surprising. They've already done a number of articles. Like I just yeah. saw another one the other day on microdosing in BC. Yeah. Uh, this guy opened up an illegal clinic. Yeah. Storefront selling magic mushrooms. Okay. BC TV covered it. They interviewed the police chief. What are you going to do about these guys? And he's like, we got fentanyl to deal with. We're not dealing with these guys <laughs> trying to help right. people. I shouldn't have laughed, but it's, it's true. the truth, right? Yeah. So I think we're going to get some attention with media. Like we're yeah. still more almost a year away and we haven't done a real media push till probably October is when we're going to start. Yeah. And they won't really pay attention till about two, three weeks before. Right. That's when the media likes to get what's going on next. Yeah. So we're not expecting much until, you know, the, the actual timelines that media runs on. Yeah. But I really believe by then with the amount of tickets that we've already sold, like 50 tickets, yeah. and we're, we're still a year away from the event. What uh, what portion are you playing in this conference? I It was kind of, it was my brainchild originally, and I started it with a number of really good people. Yeah. We have a core team of mm-hmm. uh, five of us. Uh, Tarzi McLean is kind of the co-lead, I would say. Yeah. that she and I had started talking a year ago about doing this in 2020. And we brought in three others that are just top shelf, each in their own specific areas to help us run it. Very, very cool. And you've already got, what is it, like six or seven doctors on the board to, to come in? And yeah, at least that. Yeah, those are the ones that are listed, and there's more that we haven't posted yet. So so was this based on, because didn't they do one, um, I want to say in Europe somewhere, five or six years ago, and, and it really brought a lot of light to the subject of psychedelics mm-hmm. and therapy. I'm trying to remember. I think it was Dennis McKenna and somebody else that were leading it up back then. There's a number now. There's one in Poland that just happened. There's another one this summer in London, England. Yeah. Um, Two years ago, it was in England. I was there. And Dennis was there. That's where I met him. Yeah. Um, And Paul Stamets. I mean, they have... The one in England is huge. It's 2,000 people or something. They had... Everybody who's anybody in the industry. Well, it was a 25-year anniversary of uh, somebody's book, or they did a conference similar to this prior to that, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I recall what you're talking about. Dennis McKenna was a big part of that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Very yes. cool. Yeah, um, released a book on it. And it's happening here in Calgary? Right in Calgary, Mount Royal University. Very cool. Yep. The uh, I imagine the university is 100% on board with this. Yeah, we haven't really connected the dots with the universities. We're going after UFC. There's a name we're going after right now. Um, there's people within the University in Mount Royal yeah. that we're going to try to link in at different levels, psychology as well as like the brain science stuff, and yeah. and tr- and try to get the not not support necessarily, but just working together with these guys. Because there's a lot of research happening, yeah. some of which we don't even know right. about what's going on in our brains, and these things are overlapping so much. And some of the minds coming that are going to be speaking, they really understand the brain. Yeah, and psychedelics. So there's going to be a lot of bridge bridges that we can build between our local universities and this new neuroscience that's happening. How long is the conference going to be? Three days, Friday through Sunday. Wow, and everyone's going to get a fairly large platform. I'm imagining as much time as they need. Uh, it'll be very scripted. Like we're gonna, it's, it'll be a professional conference, and the ones obviously some of the bigger names will have a longer time than some of the yeah. folks from you know the more regional or more specific topically geared items that they'll be speaking on. And some panels and discussion groups will be very interactive as well because one of the big things that we've talked about as a a core team is what next? Like we come to this conference and we hear and we see and we believe, but then what? You know, how do we all help move the ball down the field? So that's one of the key items of the conference. So when you say you believe, what do you mean by that? (laughs) Coming from a former Christian. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I use it as a general term, really nothing too, too uh, loaded, but just really believe that it's more than just a drug. It's not something that, yes, it's being used in clubs and it's being used recreationally, Yeah. but it also can bring healing to so many people who are struggling with mental frustrations like depression, anxiety, addictions, yeah. ADHD, sleeplessness. These things that are being treated with speed, basically, right. they have different names for these drugs now. Yeah, uh, but they're pharmaceuticals that they're giving people that are becoming more addictive than cocaine. Yeah, like the meth industry, it's huge, and people are they're stuck. And yeah. they often these medicines can help a get them off of these other medicines, and b help them discover <laughs> what's really wrong and what what's going on in their lives. Do you think that you're going to see like psychologists jump on board with this? Cause right now they're battling against, uh, even if they believed they're battling against the, the culture and the law right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so once they get the law changed and the culture starts shifting, do you think they're going to be on board? Yes. Yeah. Not all of them. No, you'll never get a hundred percent, but already there are some that, you know, one of our team is works in the, at AHS and works very professionally in the medical system. Yeah. And yet she's part of our core team putting the conference together. Very cool. Uh, we have a medical doctor, well, a few of them now that we're working with. So they're, they, they're not allowed to, you know, out themselves. They don't do underground work. They're very careful. Yeah. But they know and they're, they're watching the research. These are peer-reviewed articles that are being put out. Yeah. That are where these doctors live. So they're seeing this come through, palliative care as well. Yeah. They're seeing these things come through going, this is real. We have to acknowledge that this, and they're seeing too, the 30, 40 years of SSRIs not working. 
I know. So how do we fix that? And this is a, a real bright light coming down the road that they right. look at as a possibility. I know there's a large group of psychologists that are stepping away from the SSRIs um, due to like 10 years in practice and not seeing any change or yeah. eight years in with a single client and not seeing any yeah. change. And um, Dr. Kelly Brogan, although I don't think she's into psychedelics at all, she talks a lot about the holistic side of mm-hmm. it where, you know, the SSRIs will get you off the ledge. If you're a, yes. if you're a 48, yeah. we need you down at a 42 so that mm-hmm. um, we can start some therapy with you or start yeah. you on the right path. And I, I think that's probably what it was originally designed for. It wasn't meant mm-hmm. to be on for 10 or 15 years, right? You want to take a look at your diet. You want to take a look at your lifestyle. You want to take sleep a look habits, at yeah. sleep habits for sure. Exercise, all these things. Yeah. yeah. LSD is not going to help much for your sleep habits, so. <laughs> <laughs> Won't get into that. That'd be telling. Um, <laughs> the... Um, <clears throat> I say the psychiatric world right now is largely palliative. Okay. Where palliative means medicine that helps you live the rest of your life as meaningfully as possible. Yeah. <laughs> but not with the sense of curing. It's there's no sense of curing in the palliative or in the generally in the psychiatric world because once they put them on these SSRIs, you're right. It's not just getting them away from the ledge. It's keeping them addicted to these medicines for the rest of their life. Yeah. And then they just start stacking them up. I'm not even sure if that would be the purpose, is to get them addicted. I think that they, mm, they lack... Not the psychiatrists, but I know some pharmaceuticals that it's been proven. Yeah, no, I, I could believe in that. But I think psychologists as a, as a whole and psychiatrists as a whole really have the patient's well-being at heart, as I think most mm, doctors often, do. Often, not always. Yeah. I've seen stories that would make your... Hair in your neck rise. It's just so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. People we've talked to, and they've, they've told the doctors, I don't want these medicines. They don't work. Yeah. And they just write prescriptions. 10-minute visit, write prescriptions. Do you think that's from lack of knowledge or just being a shill to the, to the, to the industry? It's a, I, I don't think you can generalize. I think it's, it's all of the above. But yeah. I've seen some that, are, honestly, it, it can't come down to anything but follow the money. Yeah. It just... Well, that's important. And that doesn't make them all bad. I know some that are amazing. They work with the <laughs> yeah. client to do anything they can yeah. to bring health and healing and life. But there's many that are just, there's so much money in the pharmaceutical SSRI business. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, so, definitely the pharmaceutical companies would be pushing hard, would mm-hmm. be encouraging, however possible, to have doctors uh, write those prescriptions because yep. they have to grow every year. Every business yep. does, right? Um, they took Shareholders away. need to get their shares back. That's that's the business world. That's the capitalist yep. world. And, and I'm not opposed to capitalism at all. Um, I am opposed to doing stuff that doesn't work, though. That's yep. that's very frustrating. Even the industry that I'm in, in construction, like, nah, let's stop doing that. It's not working anymore. <laughs> you know, there, there's no money in, in screwing people over. Yeah. Turns out that's not true with pharmaceuticals. but <laughs> no, Because it's addictive. You're right. You can't addict people to poor carpentry skills, but you can do a pharmaceutical. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Um, so who who are some of the doctors, the prominent doctors coming in, and what are they going to be talking about? Yeah, some of the ones I'm excited about. Uh, Dr. Julie Holland, she's not really that well-known yet up here, Yeah, but she's a psychologist, psychiatrist in New York City, Manhattan. Um, works a lot with MDMA therapy, Um and is just a brilliant mind and orator. She's very good from the stage. Yeah. And she'll actually be helping MC as well as giving her own talk. Okay. Um, ben Sessa, as I mentioned, he's a child psychiatrist, child and family psychiatrist out yeah. of England. 
and he started the breaking convention that we talked about, the big London yeah. psychedelic conference. Yeah. He was a founder of that. Uh, and he's just a wealth of, of knowledge and is currently just starting a study with MDMA for depression. Okay. So very exciting to watch. And this is so obviously gonna, all in adults. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Not to confuse that, he's a child psychiatrist in his practice. Yeah, but with the psychedelics, he works with adults at this yeah, point. Yeah. This is the one thing that I've I've said to both my kids. Like, I'm I'm not that kind of parent unless it's truly harmful to you to say don't do that. You know, mm-hmm. don't step in front of cars. Don't put your hands on the hot stove. Those kinds yeah. of things are the no's. Everything else is like let's be smart about this. Let's learn yeah. about it. Let's talk about it. Let's do it when your brain is functioning properly and it makes sense. It's yeah. you know you, you don't you can go through your whole life and never have to do a psychedelic. You know, live your life well, treat yourself as good as possible, and maybe, hopefully, you'll never have to need that kind of medicine or any medicine for that matter, other than maybe sunshine, water, and good people, right? Um, And I really, truly believe that that's the life that we should be living, but I get that people have illnesses and traumas that they need to overcome, Mm -hmm. but the, the... I grew up with just everyone saying drugs are bad, drugs are bad, drugs are bad. But watching him getting loaded on Friday night on rye. <laughs> yeah. Right? And argue and yeah. fight and everything else that comes along with alcoholism. Yeah. And jump behind the wheel. Yeah. I I, I have vivid memories. And, and I'm going to say this about my dad. He's a good guy. He's just not well educated. Um, driving with a six pack in the front seat of the truck. Um, wow. And as, as I was a young boy yeah. and look over and he'd crack a beer and he'd be driving and it wasn't his first beer. It was, he had had a few beers and needed yeah. some road pops, um, and, and drive home. And, yeah. you know, it's luckily no accidents, no one yeah. died, but, uh, there's lots of people that did. Right. And, uh, I, I, I imagine yeah. we're going to run into that same problem with some of these. There's going to be dumb people that are going to, you know, drop acid and go for a drive or, um, you yeah. know, whatever, whatever drug. There's always stupid people out there. Yeah, anything can be abused, I feel. Yeah. You can have too much water. <laughs> you can, yeah. But, I mean, these, these things are powerful medicines, and that's why I'm really concerned that there be, there's a licensing for therapeutic use. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of back and forth about the decriminalization pr- process and just taking it out of the, the realm of, you know, anybody can do it and it's legal. Yeah. I, I have my concerns. I think that that could, you know, that's what happened in the 60s, 70s when they had these stories. They created, they didn't create these stories. It happened. People yeah. were dropping acid all over the place and it wasn't intentionally done. Yeah. And there were some accidents. Yeah. And that's going, you know, that could happen again if it's not done properly. Education. I mean, that's part of the conference. Let's educate. Let's learn what these are. They are powerful. Yeah. They are very powerful. So in your mind, would the end goal be that they're just legal or that it stays in the medicine realm? In a perfect world? Yeah. In a perfect world, we'd all know exactly what they are. We'd all have full respect for them. Yeah. And we'd all be able to do them as part of spiritual journeying as well as medical assistance in dealing with depression, anxiety. Yeah. Um, that's That'd be the perfect ideal. Yeah. Because they should be freely available to anyone, but... We just don't have the education. Yeah. So I've heard stories of kids in high school and 
what's this? Oh, it's a tab. Put it under your tongue. And they have no idea what they're going to take or what's going to happen. Right. And they're sitting in class and the teacher's face is melting off. Right. And so psychotic breaks. I mean, whatever you want to call it. Well, as a teenager, you're on the verge of a psychotic break anyways. <laughs> exactly. The amount of hormones and thought processes and everything that so goes through your changing. mind. It's uh, it's yeah. it's dangerous. Anything they do at that age, and and that's that's the talk I like to have. Like, wait, wait till you're 25. Just because you're 18 doesn't mean you can have a beer, or yep. that you should have a beer. You can have one. Hmm. Maybe you shouldn't, right? And now marijuana, same thing. It's it's a powerful medicine. Yeah, it's a beautiful medicine, helping so many people. But um, yeah, I've heard my own personal stories of people that didn't know what how to take it. Yeah. Took way too much and. And then they freak out over it and never take it again when it could help them. Right. And that's, again, education. Like yeah. We just need the education. Yeah. Don't be, don't be dumb with it. Don't go take yeah. 100 milligrams of THC your first time. Know what the difference is between not gonna be very THC much fun. and CBD. Like you sh- we should be teaching this in school. Yeah, yeah. It should just be part of the education system. Yeah, I agree. That would be, I actually met a guy quite a few years ago. Uh, he worked for TELUS, but him and his wife used to do raves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they watched people die and they're like, we need to educate mm-hmm. them. And they actually would go out to house parties and barn mm-hmm. parties and field parties. And, and they would they teach. would set up and teach and just wow. say, hey, you know, they said, if you ever have a question about what someone gives you, come, give it to me. I'll tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. And they would look at something and if they're like, hey, this is what this does. I don't think you should do it if you've had a beer or if you've had this mm-hmm. or if you, and they just kind of set all the rules out and let yep. people make decisions. Um, and they have to do it all anonymously. They, I mean, it was, yeah. they had the good, a good heart at what they were trying to do. They really wanted to save lives without having to tell people no. But I think you're probably like you were saying the perfect world you're, it's going to be free for everybody and they're all going to be well-educated. But Unfortunately, it's not the perfect world. No, it's still going to be have to be regulated one way or another. So for me personally, right now, my passion is to see them used in a therapeutic setting. Right. So that we can actually get the people that are, they've tried everything that the doctor, psychiatrist can give them, and it's not working. Right. It's just giving them worse symptoms. Mm-hmm. And so there's another option, another tool in the box that we can use. And the psychiatrist can get the data on and can look at it and go, you know what, we have this therapy over here. Let's try this therapy with LSD right. or with magic mushrooms or with yeah. psilocybin, whatever you want to call it. So back in the 60s, you used to do that. And from what I remember from LSD when I was younger is there are long trips. You're not going to have eight-hour psychiatry sessions. Why not? You think they will? Why not? I guess they could. Yeah. There's no reason why they couldn't. That'd be an expensive therapist. Yes. You know? <laughs> Pay for I mean, there's day. your new financial model. You know, it's 200 <laughs> bucks an hour at eight, 12 hours. It's a good day. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if it actually works, like what's the cost of your life? If you're going to sit there and be on the verge of taking your life or there's this therapy that costs $3,000. Yeah. Like what is $3,000 in light of mental health? Well, that's feeling a, good about getting up in the morning. That's a good point, right? Because this, these aren't long-term therapies. From what they've no, been studying is that one trip, they're having massive mm-hmm. turnarounds with uh, traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the one I heard about Alzheimer's? That was um, psilocybin and vitamin B, I think, mixed yep. together. Niacin, Niacin yep. mixed together. They were getting turnaround, like actually. Lion's mane, not li- lion's mane, niacin, and magic mushroom combination. Paul Stamets came up with this. Right, right. And yeah. they were starting to see some good yep. effects uh, against um, 
Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's on dementia. Yeah. That is amazing. I watched my uh, my grandma um, suffer from Alzheimer's, and mm-hmm. this would have been early 90s, and so they yeah. literally knew nothing about it back then. But it was a horrible disease yeah. to watch happen, right? Do you see their yeah. mind just shut down and not remember anything? Like, she lost the ability to talk. She recognized nobody. She just sat there in silence for years. And you don't know what's really going on inside. Like, it's <clears throat> that's still scary. evidence that there's a lot of activity and they're, they're cogn- cognizant of what's happening. But. Yeah. You could see it in the beginning of Alzheimer's where... She knew she wanted to say something. Like you, you see the two-year-olds that are mm-hmm. learning to talk, right? And they're like, "I need to get this mm-hmm. out," and they just don't know how to do it. I could see that in mm-hmm. my grandmother. Wow! And to be able to turn that around and make the last few years of her life different would be would be. And amazing. that's what it's really doing. It's not like solving it. It's not curing Alzheimer's, yeah. but it's allowing a higher quality of life yeah. farther into the process. And maybe they can cure it. That's the hope. You know, the studies need to be. Yeah, they're not doing them. Enough. More and more now. Finally. Yeah. (laughs) And once it's um, uh, delegalized and um, uh, universities can start doing studies, Mm -hmm. I imagine we'll get a pile of people jumping on this and Mm -hmm. and really making some differences, especially Canada is well known for their neurology. We're, I think, ahead Mm -hmm. of the game with the rest of the world. Um, And to to add some psychedelics in there to see what what they can figure out, I think it'll be beautiful. Yeah, and there's some big things happening in Canada. Even in Alberta here, there's a couple couple initiatives that are being done and planned that are going to set, you know, international standards. Very cool. In both the the lab work as well as the application of it. Yeah. So was it uh, Portugal that legalized all drugs? Years decriminalized. Decriminalized, drugs, yeah. right? Were there universities there doing studies? You know, I haven't seen a lot come out of there, ironically. Uh, that's that's uh, just dawned on me. Like I'm like they've got to be legal somewhere, and or decriminalized. That uh, it's amazing they wouldn't be doing studies to be ahead of the yeah, game. Yeah, I haven't heard much come. You know, there's some things that are being you know retreat centers and things happening there, but yeah, um, yeah. So who are some of the other doctors coming down? So yeah, um, Julie Hall and Ben Sessa. Um, What's Ben do? He's a child psychiatrist. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he's doing the studies right now with MDMA and working on a psilocybin study. I haven't heard that they got approval. I think they did yeah. to do a psilocybin magic mushroom study. Um, Tony Bossis is out of uh, the East Coast as well, US, and he is one of the most recognized voices in palliative care. Yeah. With psychedelics, and so a lot of that is again about that anti-anxiety or learning how to reframe death so you're not living your last months in such fear of dying. And it's MDMA that's standing out in that side of it in, in palliative mm, care. More mushrooms. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I misheard. Uh, PTSD, they're doing a lot of work. Maps out of U.S. and they have a Canadian office as well. Okay. Um, multi Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. Um, and they're going to be sponsoring our conference. They'll be at the conference. Very cool. So... I'm. I thought MDMA was man-made. Is it not? It's a lab. Yeah, it's a lab. Mm-hmm. Same as LSD. Yeah. LSD is a LSD. No, is actually naturally occurring in the rye. I berry. thought it still had to be processed. Now it does. Okay. I mean, now the stuff you get yeah. is is processed crystals. Yeah. But it it is a naturally occurring molecule. Okay. In nature. Yeah. It comes off of uh, wheat germ, doesn't it? A rye. Rye. Yeah. That's what it is. 
so many years out of it, I don't remember any of this <laughs> stuff anymore. Yeah, people have tried all <clears> kinds <throat> of things to eat the different black rye berries and different things. It needs to be uh, developed exactly to the right spec. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it occurs in nature and it, the magic happens, but and to so, harvest that is difficult. Yeah. And then, so what's the, uh, the MDMA? What's it made out of? Um, well, it's a chemical that releases the serotonin in your brain, in your body. Yeah. So when you have a feel-good hormone or a dopamine or serotonin rush, it's that, wow, this feels really good. Yeah. And so that's what happens is it floods your brain with serotonin. So it's not actually a drug that, that attaches to your brain receptors like psilocybin or LSD. Yeah. It actually uses what's in your brain to release into your brain. Okay. Um, which causes the prefrontal cortex or that part of your brain that's that fight, fight, or flee, freeze yeah. to slow right down, and it raises emotions. Okay. So the process that's happening is basically if you're looking at a story that you've created in your head or something that's trauma-induced, I was abused as a child or I was hit repeatedly when I was a baby, whatever it is, yeah. it allows you to go back to that point, lose that judgment... Hmm. And kind of take a different look at what happened. Yeah. And so often what happens is you see the, that story from the perpetrator's perspective. Yeah. So, for example, I was abused as a child. My mother abused me. This isn't my story. I'm just saying as, as an example. Yeah. Um, you almost become empathic with your mother who did that to you. And you start to see why she was that person. Yeah. And it doesn't make it right. It doesn't justify anything that's wrong that happened to you. But it allows you to reframe it, step back, and go, why should I be letting this affect me today? Right. When, yes, it happened, it was bad, I need to let it go. Yeah. And I need to turn around and start living forward, not backwards. Right. So it's a beautiful medicine. Yeah. It's also a beautiful couples therapy medicine. I would imagine. Because it's very heart opening. Yeah. And it allows you, again, in a relationship, there's always stuff. You've been together for how many years and stuff comes up and you're able to just kind of look at all those things without judgment yeah, and talk about it, talk through all that stuff. That's it's a very cool. beautiful medicine. My, uh, my pastor right now at the, the church we're at, this is what he's working on with our congregation is... MDMA he, therapy? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Corey. Yeah, Pastor ra- Corey, that's not... <laughs> having raves with, yeah. with ecstasy every Sunday. Yeah, no, get no, the no. news. I'm sure the news would cover that uh, one. I'm sure the news would cover that <laughs> one. He, he talks about untwisting your past, like yeah. digging into these old hurts yeah. and figuring them out and like... Okay, why do I get mad when my kids do this or my yes. wife does this? And and let's untwist that so yeah. we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's powerful to sit and and the words that he finds in the Bible to describe what we're doing um, and makes you think and want to self-evaluate everything that mm-hmm. you do. It, it's it's powerful. And, and I'm really, really enjoying this part of what he's doing right now where yeah. we can dig into, you know, why was I angry? Why am I sad? Why am I depressed? Why am I, mm-hmm. you know, his big one, he just finished his passive aggressiveness. And that's horrible for relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you can figure out how to get past that and not be that person anymore yeah. um, or take away that part of your personality, all of a sudden your relationships just get better and better and better. And that's yeah. what it's all about, right? Yeah. And this this medicine, often people have a hard time stepping back and not being self-judging or defending. Yeah. So those, those character <laughs> traits that you have that are really destructive. Yeah. 
on some of these medicines, they allow you to step back and just, oh, wow, I didn't realize that you felt that way about what I was doing yeah. and how damaging that was, those actions I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so it lines up, all these things line up, meditation, uh, all these things that help us become better people. Yeah. To me, these medicines are just kind of an accelerant to show us what it is we need to work on. Right. You you were, you said former Christian. You're obviously not going to church anymore. No. Yeah. You just, is it due to the type of church you were at or just the belief systems um, change wholeheartedly now? It's interesting how the pendulum swings. I would say when I left the church, it swung really hard away from the church. Yeah. And ironically, the medicines have almost... I wouldn't say they're bringing me back to the church, but they're bringing back a deep sense of spirituality. Yeah. A belief in something greater than myself that I'm a part of. Yeah. But um, I would say with, with less and less judgment now, the religious side of what the church represented to me is is gone. Yeah. But it's not with a sense of resentment. You're not angry at him no. anymore. Do you no. don't feel misled anymore. No. Yeah. No, I mean, all these things I believe come into your life for a reason. And even all the spiritual pursuit through religion, through my whole up- upbringing in Bible college and teaching in Bible college, and yeah. those are great years. Yeah. You know, a great place to raise families. Um, but just there was an overtone of the religion for me that just doesn't suit for what I believe yeah. at this point in my life. I think a lot of churches preach hell and brimstone and just don't, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that seems to be what I had that interpreted what they were mm-hmm. doing for most of my life and sort of steered clear. I've been lucky enough to have three really phenomenal pastors in my life in the last uh, 15 years, 16 years, mm-hmm. 15 years. Um, where that's not who they were. They were just these great people that um, really want to see turn around in your life. And mm-hmm. it was never like, you need to do this. It was just, they would talk and they would share scripture and like, you know, imagine if you didn't get angry anymore. Mm-hmm. And then they would tell you scriptures to help you figure mm-hmm. out how not to get angry anymore. Yeah. I, I think I've been very blessed that way that um, um, that I haven't had that judgmental Christian attitude that I grew up seeing in other people. Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing to get past. I think there's people that have gone to church that uh, may never get over that, that yeah. judgmental stuff. Yeah. Whether it's getting over it for me, it's just moving in a different direction. Yeah. Um, my parents, uh, amazing parents, you know, my dad was a pastor and my wife's dad was a pastor. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I have huge respect for both of them and their, and the mothers, you know, they're, it's not like I came from this abuse of religious, you know, yeah. and I had to shake it all off. There's things I have had to shake off yeah. and learn how to trust my own inner guidance system that is, I, I believe, part of something greater than myself. Yeah. But I have huge respect for even down my dad. He would give his shirt off his back for anyone in need. Like right. He just exemplifies all the things he preached about. Like he lives what he preached. And it's... it's um, yeah, I was very blessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm, uh, yeah. I, 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 I love the pastors that I've met over my life because they're those people. They, they mm-hmm. live what they preach, and and they don't. They just don't mm-hmm. judge. They're not. Uh, they're not mean people. Yeah. Growing up, I met too many 
very, very mean people. <laughs> and not that they did anything bad to me other than sort of make you feel bad as a kid. Like, mm-hmm. I was a cursed, foul-mouthed little kid, and so that's not well taken yep. by a lot of Christian families. A lot of judgment for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Um, yeah. So who who's uh, some of the other doctors? So Okay, ben. so Julie, Ben. We keep getting stuck at Ben. I know. Um, oh, Tony Bossis. Um, and what's his background? And he's a palliative care doctor. Right. Yeah. And I'm working on a couple more right now. We're back and forth that I, I probably shouldn't even say their names, but like giants in the industry back in the 60s and 70s. Oh, wow. The one guy is almost 90 years old. Yeah. Um, and he's a huge name that he doesn't live that far away either. So cool. we're really hoping to be able to add those to the list. Yeah. Uh, but there's also some really cool names right here in Alberta. There's a guy from Edmonton. He's a doctor. Uh, Rubinson, and he's doing a lot of study and putting together, you know, data on what what is happening with the psychedelic world. Yeah, um, there's a couple out of BC, some practitioners that are working with ketamine. Yeah, uh, that uh, are doing some really cool work with ketamine for therapy. The which uh, is actually a horse tranquilizer that just got yeah. repackaged by Johnson and Johnson for two thousand dollars a month. Is oh, I thought ketamine was natural. It's not natural. No. It's a pure pharmaceutical. What am I thinking of? What's the one that comes out of like those uh mescaline? S- no, South American trees. It's a powder you can buy. Um I think it's a painkiller too. There's a bunch of um shit it'll come to me. Um some bodybuilders that had some like hip and knee replacements um that are doing it. Um shoot, I thought it was ketamine, it's something else. But it's a mild stimulant, um, mm-hmm. but where you do a larger dose of it, you can do, um, it'll work as a painkiller, and lower dosage are just a stimulant, you know, create activity, mm. creativity. Um, uh, see, I, I haven't done. No, that's okay. I, I can't even think of telling you what to look up The if I knew the name. You can actually buy it online. Um, it comes in a powder. Oh, it's from one of the islands. Yes. Like by Jamaica. Yeah. Um, I know what you're talking about. And it's like a drink, and they sell it in the restaurants down there. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. But um, now it's blocked in my head, too. Yeah, but sorry. Yeah. I took it out yeah, it's, it's just starting to get more popular because it's not illegal. Yeah, you're exactly. To buy it yeah. Um, but yeah, I've had the doctor friend of mine ask me about these and have you done this and what does it do? And, you know, it's been a lot of years. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember what I did when I was 18 (laughs) and 19 years old. But honestly, I don't have any bad memories of, of anything that I've done back then. They were all pretty mild. I have some bad memories of alcohol for sure. You overdo that and that's a pretty miserable night. (laughs) Mm, Miserable morning the next day. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, so some of the other doctors, the... So yeah, and then it'll be see um, Maps Canada is stationed there, and uh, Mark Hayden and um, the president of the board as well. They're both coming, um, and they're doing some really exciting work. They're starting phase three trials with MDMA for PTSD. Okay. So they'll be sharing about that, which is right here in Canada as well. Yeah. They're doing Israel, Canada, and U.S. Wow. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um. trying to think of some of the others right now don't have it in front of me but yeah. uh, I could look on my phone but yeah there's we're trying to cover a number of different areas as well so it's not just what are psychedelics doing in the science lab oh David Nichols David E. Nichols Dr. David E. Nichols is a, a chemist yeah 
And he's created a lot of the analogs that are being used, like a, a almost identical molecule to LSD, which is called 1P LSD. Okay. So he's done a lot of the work in the lab doing a lot of the stuff. And he is a brilliant, brilliant mind when it comes to what what's going on in our heads. Yeah. So he'll be sharing as well. So the science geeks are going to love him. Yeah, yeah. Um, he talks and it pretty much shoots over my head and I've done a lot of study <laughs> on this. Uh, but so, he's. Re- I'm really excited to have him here. So how is this different from LSD then, what he's doing? Uh, it's not illegal. Oh, okay. So they just change <laughs> one little compound yes. and then they're able to do some testing. It has almost exactly the same effect. Some people claim it's a little different, but you read all the reports and some say, well, LSD does this and 1P LSD does this. And the next guy says, well, it does this. And so it's it's so similar that the reports are even not consistent. Oh, okay. So it's a very useful chemical right now because it's not illegal. Right. It's not legal, like it's not licensed for use, Yeah. but it's not on the list of scheduled drugs. Right. So right now it's kind of in that no man's land that yeah. people are using it for. If you're caught with it, they'll probably hold on to it, but you won't go to jail for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, it would take some serious lab work to prove that, no, it's not LSD. It's right. PLSD. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And there's one like that for psilocybin as well. For ACODMT, it's called, and it's just one hair off. Okay. Psilocybin in magic mushrooms converts to psilocin in your stomach. Yeah. And then is absorbed, and that's what uh, attaches to your neurons in your brain. And this is just a hair off of psilocybin, but it also converts to psilocin. So once you consume it, it becomes the same. So what, Similar. I, what I heard was DMT, so it has dimethyltryptamine No, it, it doesn't. It's kind of confusing. DMT okay. is a whole other animal, and I'm not sure why they use the word DMT or the acronym DMT in it. Yeah. But, okay. But, but psilocybin is very similar to DMT and ayahuasca. That's, so that's what I was They are very to. close to each other. Okay. Yeah. And there, these must be popping up everywhere. So I think we talked about it last time about guided tours um, mm-hmm. that, that's been going on for years, obviously, in South America with but ayahuasca. Escalating huge right now. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, what are some advice that you can give people that are doing that? Because obviously they're not mm-hmm. all going to be um, upstanding citizens offering clean No, there's therapy. renegades over there just like there is here. Um, in fact, there's a lot of underground work happening here. Yeah. Right in Calgary with ayahuasca, mushrooms, you name it. Know who you're sitting with is my biggest piece of advice. Yeah. Like whoever it is that's going to be facilitating and giving the medicine to people for these circles, yeah. especially overseas, there's some very highly recognized, medically stable, funded uh, centers, Costa Rica and Peru, yeah. that you can go to. And there's actually medical staff on site. Yeah. Um, something's going a little off and they're checking your blood pressure and your heart rates and things. Yeah. Uh, so it's very well curated and taken care of each person that goes. Yeah. And then there's some in the, <laughs> yeah, not so much. The stories you hear in the news of so-and-so died and there was this big <laughs> scandal and yeah. so there's everything. Yeah. You know, there's some very intentional places. As there always has been, right? Always. Um, but know where you're going. Don't just go over to Peru and say, I'm going to go into the jungle and find somebody who gives me ayahuasca. <laughs> may not end the well. Back door of some hostel. It may somewhere. not end well. <laughs> yeah. Because you can buy it off the streets in Cusco. So here, here's a, a question for you because this is one of the things that uh, some of the people I know talk about with, with ayahuasca is that you end up pooping yourself and vomiting quite violently in the first session or hours of the session. Is this true? <laughs> can be? 
can be. Yeah. <laughs> What's uh It's way overrated. I mean it happens, but that's not that becomes a thing everybody talks about later because right. it's sensational. Yeah. But the real thing that happens in the spiritual discoveries and the understanding of self and coming to terms with whatever it is you're you're dealing with anger, whatever. Yeah. Those are the things that last. You know, you throw up, so you throw up and it comes yeah. up and you're done. And then you move on and you have this amazing spiritual mental journey. Yeah. Um, yeah. So ayahuasca has dimethyltryptamine in it mm-hmm. and then it has the... Um, MAOI. You, the MAOI inhibitor. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what allows you to get high. Now, when you smoke DMT, it's mm-hmm. completely different, right? It's a very short yeah. um, trip, but it's very, very intense. Yeah, so DMT and ayahuasca is, you drink it, so yeah. your stomach has to somehow process it. Right. Which is why the MAOI is necessary, or else it's just passed through. Right. Whereas with... most of our plant-based foods have dimethyltryptamine in them, is that correct? Most plants have at least a trace amount. Yeah. In fact, they're finding more and more evidence of DMT, not just in our brains. I just read an article yesterday. Um, but they're finding it in other places of our body as well. Oh, wow. So there's more and more evidence of this molecule in nature. Yeah. But yeah, when you smoke it, you're not going through your stomach. You're bypassing that and going straight in. So right. that's why you don't need the MAOI. Yeah. And the the trip is very different too, is it not? Yeah, it's like 10, 15 minutes. Very intense. Yeah. Um, interesting thing about DMT trips is that most people that take them relay the same story, that they go through a tunnel and they meet these alien beings on the other side, these machine-like elves. Uh, Not everybody, but a lot of people that do DMT smoked, they have the same experience. Yeah. So it's very fascinating to me what's causing that. Right. Because our experiences are all different, our past history. Why are we all having the same experience? That's what blows my mind with it too, is that, I mean, for one, it's called the God drug because mm-hmm. a lot of people think they're they're going to some kind of heavenly realm or mm-hmm. or godlike realm or or seeing God and and I think last time you were on we talked about the story of Moses and the burning bush. The mm-hmm. acacia bush yeah. is you know one of the highest levels of dimethyltryptamine in yeah. in the world, and so if that was smoking tree, <laughs> he he was definitely yeah. in that place. Um, not that I'm saying he was or wasn't, but you it's know, good speculation for it. It makes a great story. <laughs> it does make a good story. Yeah. Uh, same with the uh, was it Amascara mushrooms? That, that's the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah that uh, yeah. that's an interesting story too. We won't have to relive that yeah. one though. But yeah, the that um, that they all have this this innate feeling that they met God or they mm-hmm. were in the God realm, and I was like, that is. Very interesting to me that, you know, whether you believe in God or don't believe in God, this is the same whether you're atheist or Buddhist or, um, you know, South American tribal, whatever it is, that they have this very similar. So it's Mm -hmm. not cultural that you're getting it where, you know, if you smoke pot in the 70s in L.A., you would have a very similar culture to all the people that did it, where these people we know have a very yeah. different or diverse set of and cultures. And it's such a similar experience. Yeah. yeah. that That's what's shocking to me, because that's just not the way human beings work. So there's something else yep. out there that, um, yeah, it's it's like a key to a door that everyone can have. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's that's, not just, to me, it's not just unlocking subconscious thought. Right. It's beyond subconscious. Yeah. That's how I've it's heard it described. Tapping into superconscious. That that 
it sounds hokey that people talk about going to different realms, mm-hmm. but we do it all the time, right? Being drunk, mm-hmm. um, having a spirit, right? Mm-hmm. You're in a spirit of something. You're in a different place. Yep. You know, if I've had two or three glasses of rum, I'm not mm-hmm. the same Chad that I am now. I'm not a bad Chad. I'm not a good Chad. I'm just a different Chad. I'm someplace mm-hmm. else. Yep. Um, and it's very evident with some people over other people, but why are, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, People get very weird when you talk about it that way, but there has to be other realms. There's mm-hmm. ha- in our brains, like what happens when you dream? What happens? High high dose mushrooms will take you to different realms. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was Dennis McKenna's story of the first time he did it, top of a tree in a thunderstorm, and uh, yeah, it's Paul Stamets. Yeah, Paul Stamets, right? Yeah. Well, Dennis McKenna, they were in uh, South America somewhere, and they were they they didn't have enough food, so they found these mushrooms. They were growing. Yeah. And they started eating these mushrooms, and they were looking for this mysterious thing they were searching for that was hallucinogenic. Yeah. And they discovered rather these mushrooms and realized that's probably what these tribespeople were actually consuming. Right. But because they were so hungry, he ate an enormous (laughs) amount of them and had this deep, deep trip. Right. Wrote a book about it. I just can't even imagine that, uh, yeah. I've done some pretty heavy doses of LSD, and it's... It's pretty intense, like sticking mm-hmm. your head out of the front of a rocket is as taken out intense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> get your head out of a 747 intense. Yeah. Um, and that's not fun. That's not fun with alcohol. It's not fun with pot. Yeah. It's not fun with LSD. I can't imagine that being fun on anything. Yeah, I don't know about fun. Exploratory. <laughs> Maybe if it was guided. As opposed to all by yourself or with a couple of buddies, you know, where... If you're going to do high-dose mushrooms or high-dose anything, LSD, be with people you can trust and let go with. And somebody that's not on them. Right. Like that's... I've been called to a house where two people both had taken a high-dose of something. (laughs) It's like, help. Yeah. (laughs) And... You seriously, you get calls like that? uh, Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm glad I do because yeah. they, there's people they can turn to. Yeah. I'm not the only one in town. There's people that can not judge and just walk in and understand kind of what's happening. Yeah. What they've taken. And I mean, there's a whole training program in Alberta for uh, crisis counseling at festivals. Okay. Like most festivals now have a tent, sanctuary tent or something they call it. Yeah. Zendo is another big one in the U.S. Burning yeah. Man. Where people can go if they've had overdose or bad trips or combination or yeah. they thought they took ecstasy and it was something else. Yeah. And they can go there. And, and so there's people that are being trained all over the place to know what to look for, look in the eyes, see if it's fentanyl, like all these kind of things. Yeah. Have the Narcan kits if, in case it is. I think that's what my buddy from TELUS was talking about doing. Maybe he got the training Maybe. for it and is, yeah. is being part of that. That's a big thing now. Yeah. I get frustrated that festivals that don't do it. Yeah. They won't allow it because they don't promote drugs. I'm like, people are going to do drugs at your festival, yeah. whether you like it or not. Yeah. So way better to have them safe. Yeah, it's almost like an insurance policy. Why wouldn't you bring someone in to say, hey, I can help these people if they mm-hmm. get in trouble, and then they won't blame the festival. And also, the best thing is when you have a sanctuary tent that's boring. Right. Nobody's there. <laughs> exactly. It means that people are either doing them right yeah. or people they're not they're doing, not doing them, them or whatever. Yeah. But when people actually know and there's education, they can do them with knowledge. Yeah. They don't need the tents. But the reality is it's kids and they're crazy and they're taking stuff. They don't, you know, the last night they've got a handful of stuff. They don't know what it is. Throw it in their mouth and just see what happens. Well, and they're damaged too, right? Playing Russian (laughs) roulette with their brains. Just can't even imagine. The 
you have to protect the people that are damaged in this world mm-hmm. one way or another, right? Because there, there's always going to be that guy that can't just have one beer, yeah, right? Or is always willing to take the risk. And addictions are powerful. They are. Yeah, yeah. I've been through my fair share of them, and they're they're miserable. They're miserable yeah. going in. They're miserable coming out. There's They're not fun at all. Yeah. Give a plug for a friend of mine. He works at Alpha House. And um, they're trying to move Alpha House because the new condos that went in there. Is that the thing I just saw on the news downtown? Probably. I haven't seen it on the news, but I've seen it all over Facebook and social media. Maybe that's where I saw it. And there's a petition. If you search for Alpha House Move Petition, whatever you put into Google search, you'll find it. Yeah. Um, And there's another petition that's keep Alpha House where it is because, sure, you can move it to the industrial areas, but now what? You're going to bust them out there? They're not going to go. Right. People are downtown where the action is. Yeah. Because that's where their living is. That's where they're finding their, you know, whatever, bottles and... In the street corner. Right. Um, yeah, so that's a whole other thing. But I could see, again, where not everyone, but this isn't a magic pill, but where psychedelic therapy could help a lot of these people. Right. Because they come in, they're addicted, they don't know what to do with them. Some of them get through treatment that they do have, and it mm-hmm. works. Others, they, it's a rotating door, and it's just very hard work. I have a friend that's a, a Calgary police officer that worked... Um, I'm trying to remember the building that he worked in, but it, it worked a lot with uh, people with drug and alcohol abuse, um, any kind of abuse that they've gone through, really, they were there to help them. Mm-hmm. He was the on-duty police officer. And what they were trying to do was create a program, or he was um, commissioned to create a po- program where we didn't have people going through the legal system all the time, right? So you get caught yeah. with some pot, and now you got to go to court, and it's so much you money for... Exactly, or a little LSD, or even people with heroin that, you mm-hmm. know, they, they have a cap of heroin or a dose of heroin, and, and they end up in front of a judge, and it's like, maybe they don't need to go to jail. Maybe they need to be taken care of differently. Yeah, and that's and the Portugal model. Exactly. Right, yeah. and if they're willing, then let's let's do that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think, um, and no, no um, disrespect to my buddy, but I don't think the program worked that well. It was a small mm. percentage of people they were actually able to help. Yeah. Lots of people still came in and out of the program, maybe didn't end up in front of a judge, but came in and out of the program quite regularly. You know, I yeah. want to get better, I want to get better until I find someone to get me high again. And then they didn't want to get better yeah. anymore. Yeah, because I used to have judgment for the addiction, you know, just, well, smart up, you know, stop it. Right. It's powerful. It's not that easy for no, some people. It's not. I, I, there, there's very, very strong people out there that that can. You know, yeah. um, we had a guy on our podcast, uh, Jamie Pruden, an artist. He was a functional crack addict for I think ten years. Wow. Um, Try to take his own life. Uh, that's how we started the podcast. <clears throat> Me and Eric are almost in tears um, listening wow. to his story. It, it yeah. was powerful. Um, but yeah, he, he did it for years and he was okay. able to do it just when he was on the road and like yeah. he was a, a traveling, um, uh, musician right here, hypnotist. Mm. I can't believe I forgot that. Uh, what's that? I think he was working like comedy. Comedy and, and hypnotism and stuff like oh, that. okay. Like a Vegas type show. Yeah. Anyways, he, he he traveled a lot. He was a single dad, and Grandma would take mm-hmm. care of his son when he was gone. But while he was on the road, it was crack and crack cocaine and um, wow. 
uh, for years and years and years. And then uh, he got himself sober, and now he's this phenomenal artist that's commissioned mm. from people around the world. But it was a great story and a hard one to overcome. And he's one of those strong people, right? He hit rock bottom, and yeah. he shot up, and you know, literally like a rocket, and and yeah. and took off. But that's just not true of everybody. Well, Stevie Nicks, I don't know if you read that article. I just posted it yesterday, actually. And she was addicted to, I believe it was cocaine or crack, whatever, and went to the doctors, and she got better, went through through therapy, through a treatment center. Um, but then they gave her some kind of tranquilizer class drug, um, and she ended up addicted to the pharmaceutical drug that the doctors gave her to help her get better. Oh, right. And she said coming <laughs> off of that was Cocaine was nothing yeah. compared to coming off the yeah the pharmaceutical drug. Yeah, some of these are so powerful are now. So powerful. The the fentanyl uh, addiction in um, Florida right now, mm-hmm. I think it's five a day are dying, five or six people a day. Wow, um, it's it's insane, and these are legal drugs. I mean, they're doing them illegally because they're not prescribed mm-hmm. properly, but they're yeah. they're still a, a legal drug where you can go to a doctor and get them if you yeah. need them. Um, but yeah. Um, they're tipping over yeah, trucks. I just had somebody tell me yesterday she would go to her doctor to give her a year's supply Oof. of some of these really hard drugs. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 I'm lucky. I've got a really good um, GP that anything wrong, they're like, mm-hmm. hey, what can we do? Like I get a diagnose from mm-hmm. her and then we look at other solutions to, to getting it done. There's there's times she's put me on pharmaceuticals, but it's rare. And she'll yeah, usually... Because there is a place for them. Absolutely. I'm not... Yeah. Like, they're always bad. No, that's not what I believe. But yeah, most of the time there's a better solution first. Right. And it should never be long term. The long term is the big change, right? It's the yeah. work, it's the effort, it's the the mm-hmm. what you put forward that makes the biggest change. Yeah. It's not there's no magic diet pill, there's no magic fix what my dad did to me pill. There's no magic anywhere. It's just life is hard. The sooner you recognize <laughs> that, the easier it is. <laughs> I agree. And it sounds so mean to say it. Like it yeah. it it literally it's horrible to say, yeah, life sucks. Sometimes it really, really it sucks. Does. It's hard. And when you can embrace it, life gets great. It yeah. becomes a playground then. <laughs> it does. I agree wholeheartedly. I yeah. like when there's challenges in yeah. front of me. I like when I don't know how to do something. And It doesn't like, mean it's easy, though. It's just, no. it, it's hard. Yeah. I, I like, I recently got promoted at work, and it's been a challenge. And hmm. I wish I could say it was physical, but it is not. It, no, it's not. It's 100% on my brain. I, the relational mental stuff's way harder than the physical. It so is, and and yeah. uh, but I'm enjoying it, like getting challenged where they're like, hey, you're not doing that good enough yet. Okay, I'll figure it out. Let's yeah. get this done. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you dig in deep to who you are as a person, and you figure yeah. it out. But that's that's where success is. That, yeah. That's where the good feelings really truly yeah, are purpose yeah actually having a purpose was a way of man um i don't know if you've read that book i can't remember the author's name right now but he was talking about that if there's there's no purpose that's just despair anxiety depression mm-hmm. so this is uh, when second world war hit england their mm-hmm. suicide rate almost dropped off there's none because everybody depression. was working so hard they had stuff to do and right cause yeah, yeah. it's funny how uh wanting to die to commit suicide and then someone else wants to kill you and now you don't want to die. (laughs) (laughs) A little ironic. Yeah, Yeah. it is. But uh, sometimes that's the challenge that we need, right? Well, those are the two pillars I keep pushing. I might have said them last time too. But if you don't have purpose and community, 
those are the two really important, I think, things in life. Yeah. You need people that have your back and have <clears throat> theirs and, you know, they, you, there's somebody you can talk to and somebody to go to when there's something that you need or yeah. support or just a voice or an, an ear to listen to your voice. Yeah. And then purpose, you know, to have that, that drive that, that wakes you up in the morning. I, uh, a few months ago, I kind of uh, was meditating on some of my downfalls, some of the things I wasn't good at. And one of them is public speaking. I've always been afraid of public speaking. And <laughs> How ironic. It's so ridiculous, <laughs> right, that here I, I yeah. cut out a podcast weekly. And being in front of people, large groups of people, is really, really hard for me. Um, so anyways, what's that? 800, right, yeah. The um, So anyways, I put it out there, and I'm like, I need to overcome this. I, you mm-hmm. know, I have some plans in the future, and, and I need to be good at public speaking. I want to overcome this fear. Not more than two days later, one of the, the leaders from our church called and says, hey, Chad, do you want to come and host <laughs> a church? means just at the end of the sermon, you get up, and you keep yeah. everyone pumped, and you tell them about the news and whatever's going on. Yeah. It's really, really simple. It's five minutes. It's yeah. easy. And I was panicking. But yeah. anyways, I got the opportunity and I spoke. Yeah. So this is getting back to what you said about purpose and community was that um, that thinking about what I had to do was mm-hmm. my purpose. Like every day I got up mm-hmm. and it was on my mind. Okay, what am I going to do when I'm mm-hmm. standing in front of 250 people and how am I going to handle if this happens, as this happens? And I, you know, you come up with a thousand horrible scenarios in your mind on how this is going to go so yeah. miserably. But I came up with a plan for every bad yeah. thing that I thought was going to happen and I got up and I did it. And while I was doing it, the thing that we had to talk about were our church groups. So uh, they really encouraged us to be in small groups out side of the church yep. with church people and mm-hmm. non-church people and just create a community. Uh, they, they sell it as free friends, right? Mm-hmm. Just go join a group. They're not going to tell you, no, this is a church and you get a bunch of free friends and, and yeah. it's true. We do. Um, but while I was on stage, I remembered what my small group does for me and how much I love those people and they've got mm-hmm. my back and, and yeah. I don't really have bad things happening in my life, but they're mm-hmm. always praying for me. They're always, yeah. and vice versa, right? We're always yeah. helping each other out as much as we can. And I would say in the last 15 years of my life, um, from starting the, my journey as a Christian to where I am now, that's been all the change. It has mm-hmm. been my community, the people mm-hmm. that I surround myself with, the, the loving people that are around me, the non-judgmental yeah. people, the people that <laughs> just want um, a, a me to live a better life. Yeah. And giving you good advice. And, and um, really, like we, we did Canada Day weekend uh, at our small group. They have an acreage, and we camped out on their acreage. Mm-hmm. And we shot guns and threw axes and campfired, <laughs> and we roasted a pig, and we invited the church out on Sunday after uh, noon for being part of the pig roast. And 75, 80 people out there just hanging wow. out as a community. and. Yeah. You can't beat that. There's no. there's no way that that is worse than sitting in your bed, yeah. Or you know, being watching at home TV. alone watching TV. Yeah, yeah. We started something just well, not quite a year ago too. People come and talking friends of ours, and they're like, "We miss most of us coming from churches and coming out of it, saying it's not what where we're at anymore." Yeah, but missing the, the community, right? Like we didn't want the religion. <laughs> there were reasons, whatever. But we're really missing that community. So we've started this Sunday gathering. Beautiful. Yeah. And just people supporting each other. One lady, you know, she needs to move next week. And some people have all volunteered already to bring their van and move her. And, yeah. You know, it's all the stuff I grew up with in church, right? Right. So it just feels a lot like home. 
they're fundamental parts of life, right? We like need each other. We're meant yeah. to be in a tribe. Totally. We're meant to support it's, each other. It's called Find Your Tribe. Right. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's the name of the group? group? Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. When do you guys meet? Sunday afternoons? Every, every second Sunday right now of the month. We're doing once a month. Yeah. Probably picking it up in fall. Cool. Uh, and then just impromptu, like Canada Day, Monday night, we got together. Yeah. Went and saw the fireworks together. How many people? Around. Uh, the last time we had about 60 people in the park. Wow. It's just like, yeah. We you got a small church. It. It's crazy. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's like kind of different people step up to do different things. This one guy's, him and his family, they they really have a heart for helping other people. Yeah. Like it's a river. If we don't have outflow, we're not going to have health. So right. he's talking about what do we do to help do something for the poor. And, yeah. And there's no agenda. There's no sermon. There's no... You know, worship band necessarily. There might be a guitar and somebody singing, but <laughs> it's just really fun. Just yeah. people hanging around outside a fire, and yeah, that's it's, beautiful. It's I very cool. I love to see those church groups when we were coming up. What's that, Eric? Uh, I just realized audio wasn't recording on OBS. So oh, I can take the audacity file afterwards. That's fine. We'll just keep recording. It's all good. We, uh, our computer shut down. Uh, we had to take it down for a church event, and uh, I knew when we hooked it up we were going to have issues, but uh, either way, we can overlap it, and it's fine. Um, what was I talking about? Church group. Church groups, right, yeah. The Growing up, being in a sport even, that that's enough. It's of, a tribe. It's a tribe, 100%. Yeah. When you're playing hockey or football yeah. or whatever, you're in a tribe. Um, and I never had that growing up. And now as an adult getting it, mm-hmm. I, I cannot get enough of it. If someone called me 10 minutes after we're done this, I got to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning for work and said, hey, do you want to come talk? I'm like, yep, every yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. We need each other. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, what, what are some of the events that you have coming up other than the conference? I know you're posting all the time about uh, um, uh, things that you guys are doing. We do a meetup once a month. First Tuesday of every month, yeah, which should be landing tonight actually. Okay, but we just had a guest speaker in last week. Yeah, uh, so we we changed the date, but that's been very exciting, and that has been really cool for people. Again, the destigmatization of the the medicines. Yeah, is just talking about one night it'll be ayahuasca, the next like how do you trust where to go for ayahuasca? Yeah, so we'll talk about that, or we'll talk about mental illness, mental frustrations with current pharmaceutical drugs and yeah. what are the options and where do I go to help get help? Yeah, yeah. Um, microdosing is a huge topic. Yeah. That comes up a lot. People want to know about microdosing. And like I said, I don't know if I mentioned the Vancouver company. Yeah. They just this week opened up a storefront and they're selling online. Okay. Um, and the guy's got his name all over it. And yeah. the cops are going, we don't have time to deal with this. Right. Uh, there's another site, microdoseonline.com. They're selling in Canada. Yeah. Actual microdose LSD or psilocybin. Really? And that stuff is helping so many people with so many different things. Um, mental stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So people getting off of SSRIs is really tough. Going cold turkey can be traumatic. Right, right. And these are, are showing to help people be able to step down off of whatever Xanax or Zoloft or whatever they're on without having that massive break and snaps and all the things that can happen. 
They, I remember, I can't remember if it was Kelly Brogan talking about it, psychologist, uh, Dr. Kelly Brogan talking about it, or, or somebody else, where they were saying that a good SSRI, well dialed in, will take you down one or two points on the depression or anxiety scale. Mm-hmm. Not very far at all. But I think coming off of it, you jump up five or six points. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you're nowhere near that ledge, and now your toes mm-hmm. are hanging over. And so being... Doing it right and doing it with the right people and and uh, not with the intention of long term. Right, exactly. That mm-hmm. that you you come off that in the right way under doctor's yeah. care is super super important. I, yeah. I get so this this is probably cultural as well, but um, I get scared when people talk about microdosing. So taking little bits hmm. for long periods of time, it almost feels the same thing they're doing with Advil or Tylenol or like, oh, no, it's fine. Just take what you need. Um, you're, you're almost not the same person. And I get the therapeutical medicinal part of, of all of them. I, I totally understand that. But if you have to take it every day, then that becomes an issue to me again, where, you know, why, why yeah. do you have to be on it every single day? And I know, I know there's benefits, uh, Silicon Valley that, all the production they've had, the creativity has mm-hmm. come out of microdosing. I don't think there's anyone in Silicon Valley that's not taking microdosing mm-hmm. LSD. And look at how far we've come in AI and mm-hmm. computer technology because of that, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's a fear. That's a fear that, uh, you know. Yeah. If it was addictive, I'd be more fearful, but it's just not. Right. Like there's just no addictive um, properties to it. Right. And personally, I microdosed for three months, and then I went off for three months. And I did not once feel like, oh, I miss it. I need it. Yeah. Like there's that caffeine. I need coffee. <laughs> I so if you want to talk about a drug that we take every day, that's hard enough. Oh, okay, I'm you guilty. Know? <laughs> 100% guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and mushrooms, they grow in the forest. You can pick them in certain places in Canada. Right. And people have been microdosing for thousands of years. They just weren't measuring them very carefully. Yeah. Um, and so to me, I, I don't see that. Yeah. And to me, that's a carryover of the stigma still. Uh, that's what I was saying, so that there's this, I, I don't like. they're so beneficial and they're not addictive. Right. And I don't like having to take something every day and, and yeah. I'm guilty of it coffee wise. Yeah. And, and I would be fearful that, you know, if you start microdosing every day that you're like, oh, I'm not me without it. And I think there's some yeah, personalities see, I don't see it that way. way either. And, and I've never done it. See, so uh, to me, this is my understanding and watching a lot of people that microdose is you're here and the microdoses help you get to here. Okay. And it's not like you immediately go here when you stop. Okay. Because it's an awareness tool. Yeah. It's not a changing your brain for that period of time tool. Yeah. Like an aspirin or Advil. Yeah. Which helps get rid of pain for four hours or whatever it is. Right. And then you go back to, if your pain's still there, you haven't fixed the pain. Right. Whereas with this, it's helping you show, okay, you know what? I'm having pain because I'm sitting wrong in my chair, whatever. <laughs> and so you stop doing that and then you're here now. You're right. now here. You're not, you're not going to You're slide. not dropping back down into so, that other yeah, place. Yeah, to me, it's a very different class. Yeah. Then I understand just from the outside, I need to take this pill every day or I'm not going to be okay. Yeah. Well, it's not really that way. And in fact, most people that do microdosing, it's every third day, okay. every other day, once a week, once a month. Right. They forget to take it because they don't need it anymore. <laughs> That's perfect. Right. You know, if you can get yourself untwisted enough yeah. that you don't feel like you need medicine. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, um, 
Yeah, I, I'm really, really curious to see. I think Canada is going to move forward like it did with uh, cannabis, mm-hmm. um, where it's not going to be, uh, or they're going to do more and more testing. We're going to understand it better. Yeah. We're going to help a lot more people. Um, it's going to be financially beneficial. I know people crap on Trudeau all the time, and not that he's my favorite person in the world, <laughs> but I think what he did for Canada as far as cannabis is that mm-hmm. um, he's showing people... Um, that it's not dangerous. He's showing people that mm-hmm. it's uh, it can be financially beneficial for a country. It can be spiritually mm-hmm. and medicinally better for a country. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super, and there's obviously the cannabis people that are, it cures everything. I don't think that's true. None of these are magic pills. No. Nope. You still have to do the work. You still mm-hmm. have to untwist yourself. You still mm-hmm. have to figure out who you're supposed to be and why yeah. and, and get over those hurts of your past. But if yeah. this is a tool that could help people, I'm I'm super yeah. excited to see what it'll do. Yeah, me too. We uh <laughs> I had a lady on uh, two or three podcasts ago and she's um uh shoot uh medium. Uh so, okay, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um so when I tell a lot of my Christian friends about it, they they get like be careful. Be, yeah. like, what's she gonna do? She's a forty-five year old yeah. uh, or fifty-year-old? Sorry, yeah, I have uh, some friends who are mediums. So I yeah, understand. At first I was like, "Whoa, yeah, what am I doing?" And then I understand them a little bit more, and it's like, mm, "No, this is not dangerous." And this is what I'm trying to do here: is like get a good understanding of what's going on, because that's how you mm-hmm. make changes in your life. And you know, am I gonna do LSD again? Probably not. Uh, I don't feel like I need it. Am I going to do much? Probably not. Uh, there's just, mm-hmm. I don't feel like there there's a need. I hope there's never a need for me to do it in my mm-hmm. life. But if it can um, help me in a time of need and it's not available, that's pretty miserable. I don't like mm-hmm. doing anything that's illegal. Uh, I, I, but what bothers me so much is the illegal e- equals immoral. Right. That that whole argument, because uh, I get it from so many people. <laughs> Legal doesn't it's equal It's illegal, morally. therefore it's wrong. No, because then right. we could be killing Jews at certain points in history. Right. Like, law does not make morality. Correct. And that's kind of harsh, but, like, people, like, slavery. Like, really? Yeah, that was legal. It was, it was moral then. <clears throat> no, yeah. it wasn't. No. It was wrong. Right. Even though it was legal. Right. And I see the same thing with these medicines. Yeah. It It's so wrong that they're illegal. Right. Now, it doesn't mean we should run out and be dropping acid on the street and giving it to everybody on the street corner. Right. Let's be smart. We need to change the laws. Yes. And yeah. that's, I mean, I've got Syntac Therapeutics as a company I work in full time now. Yeah. Which is all about changing, the, running the conference. It's okay. started that. And then, What's the new email you sent me? Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. yeah um, working at changing laws. Yeah. How do we get licensed for either clinical trials or more more studies or you know trying to get this thing moving forward. Right. So that because uh, to me it comes down to the will of the people. Yeah. In a democratic society, if there's enough power and push from the people, yeah. the laws will eventually change. Yeah. Well, um, look what happened with cannabis. It, uh, they got enough of it. The it people took years and, and years of groundswell and a lot of tree huggers in BC. <laughs> but thankfully they did that work because and they're not so unmotivated, right? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> they saw the power of it for for good things. Right. And that's the guy doing his microdose store in Vancouver now. He did that 12 years ago. Oh wow. Illegally opened a medical marijuana store. Yeah. And so now he's doing the same thing. That and guy must have bucket loads of money to fight off the law. I guess this time they're not I really coming think, after I him. I don't think he's fighting anything. Really? Yeah. Well, good on them. I, and again, I'm not interested in in doing anything that's illegal personally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not. Yeah, syntax in the conference. 
our goal with the conference is that no matter who shows up, there is no scandal. Right. Like we're not selling anything in the lobbies. Nobody's doing trips and evenings. Right. Like it's it's a strictly therapeutic research right. conference so that we're going to invite the mayor to come. Yeah. And if he comes and gets his photos done with these doctors, like that's the kind of level. Right. Like these doctors aren't tripping hippies. Right. There's not, <laughs> yeah. So it's all about legalizing, not just doing it in spite of them. Right. Has Has Nenshi responded? Not yet. No, Nothing. we haven't gone after him yet. Oh, okay. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. We have some leads. Awesome, awesome. But it's too soon at this yeah. point. It's still a year away, so. I imagine he would be a hard sell. Um, yep. D- right? He, yep. He's he's Muslim. Yep. Um, he's not like a, I want to say right-wing Muslim. That's not the right word. Um, fundamental. Fundamental yeah. Muslim. But still, I, I think. Pitching it to him on the basis of mental health. Yeah. Therapy. Yeah. Those kinds of things that this is new research, new technologies that are coming. Yeah, there, there's, I, I believe, good reason to see where he wouldn't be, you know, against it. Hopefully, yeah. And has the uh, CPS been alerted to this? Have you guys talked to them we will about be. what you're doing? No, again, it's too yeah. soon, but we will be for yeah. sure. Yeah, I can imagine. I had a an ex police officer on the podcast a while ago, mm-hmm. and um, he still firmly believes that cannabis is is legalization is going to bring our world to a halt. Wow. And uh, I'm and, and granted, it's been a, probably close to a year since I talked to him. So yeah. maybe he's changed his mind in the, the last what's it been uh, legal for yeah, now? Nine months now. Nine months, yeah. Something like that. So maybe maybe uh, he's changed his mind. But yeah, there's definitely p- people out there that believe it. They believe it's the gateway drug, and mm-hmm. and maybe for some it is. Maybe it leads them down to another path. But some people say it is a gateway drug, and they say it with much pride and, and good feeling. <laughs> there you go, right? Because it opens people up to psychedelics. It's all uh, all in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. First drug I ever did in my entire life, other than pharmaceuticals, um, legally, was LSD. That was my first experience with Mm. with street drugs. Go right Uh, for the gusto. I had no idea. (laughs) I was so dumb back then. Um, But it turned out all right. It wasn't uh, wasn't bad or dangerous or hurtful in in any way. It is the most, I believe, maybe changing now with a lot of the studies, but the most studied drug back in the 60s, 70s. Yeah, yeah. I heard that too. More than anything else. Well, what was funny, I'm trying to remember who did this. It was somewhere in the States, and the story was that um, a drug dealer had dropped off um, what he thought was microdot, or no, what he thought was cocaine, and it turned out being microdot. And uh, hmm. they each did a line of microdot, which I think they, it was something ridiculous, like 25,000 dosages. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, like it was. Crystals, LSD crystals is. Yeah. It's it, like really potent. It was a tiny amount. It was a massive dosage, like in the tens of thousands, uh, from compared to a double, and it was something like twelve or fifteen people that all did it. And then when the drug dealer realized what he did, he went back and said, "Hey, I did something really, really bad. I'm gonna either phone nine one one or take him to the hospital or whatever they did. Mm-hmm. And of those people, they traced all of them for years. So this would have happened in the 60s or 70s. Was this in BC? I'm trying to remember now. Because the MAPS Canada director tells a similar story. Yeah. I, I, I'm not 100% sure where it happened, but they had studied these people for 15 years afterwards or 20 yeah. years afterwards, and there was zero ill effect yeah. um, that they had that done. should have been enough to... Knock him right into psychotic. Well, I've done hell. two doubles, and and that was yeah. intense. Like that yeah. was, uh, I remember so that. Mics. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and then uh, one time we did a line of Microdot, but a small, small. And so I have no idea what the dosage was, but I, I'm guessing it was seven or eight doubles um, in there. Um, That'd be a lot. It, it was a lot. It was it was really, really intense. The bladder was worse, though. I didn't find the Microdot is mm. um, probably equal, even though I think I did mm-hmm. more, that uh, the bladder was way, way harder. But I was also... The microdot came second, so maybe my brain went like, "Okay, I know what's going to go on here," and sort of <laughs> I figured, recognize this. Sort of figured out how chemical. to how to deal yeah. with that that issue. Well, back to the studies too that they were doing with cognitive problem solving. Yeah, and that's something that you know that's probably second level <clears throat> to the mic- mental health that's going to be coming. Yeah, but where scientists and archaeologists, architects, and artists, and different people that were trying to solve something, they would go on these LSD journeys. Right. And then towards the end of the journey, they would get into whatever the computer book, whatever writing, drawing yeah. they were doing. And 80, 90% of them were able to solve unsolvable problems <laughs> right. when they were on this because it's such a cognitive clarity yeah. medicine. You see very, very differently. Like, And I'm not yeah. talking visually. Like your overall perspective You just changes. have a bigger perspective on the whole thing. So yeah. to me, I believe that's, again, because like even these studies are saying, they're not toxic yeah you know it's not like you can overdose with this stuff but doing it really carefully in the right setting yeah we could start to solve some world problems yeah like energy issues and (laughs) climate like talk go down the list of things that we're we're not able to solve these things right now right and it's gonna i believe politics isn't working right the government's not doing it you know there's ways we can look at even the plastic issues that with technology right some of the brightest minds, you get them in a think tank on LSD, you start to see some stuff happen. <laughs> I think so. It will, you, you can be hyper-focused on yes. something oh, yeah. um, uh, when you're on it. Like mm-hmm. uh, you, We used to go play pool, and that was the best damn pool player yeah. you ever saw. I could have yeah. taken on a world champ back then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and not uh, just in your mind. You're actually not playing just in well. My, I was actually <laughs> playing really well. And, and, and in my youth, I used to fight on it. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, well, MMA guys that do it. Yeah, microdose all the yeah. time. Uh, I think Joe Schilling is one yeah. that microdoses LSD. His precognition thing he talks about. It's yeah, he, he um, he's got it figured out. Like he yeah. sees patterns differently mm-hmm. because of him mm-hmm. doing it. And he's at a guy where you think he's near his retirement age is starting to explode into championship ranges wow. now. So, um, and he says it's a hundred percent because of the LSD and he just mm-hmm. microdoses, um, every day gets into mm-hmm. training and focuses on what he's doing. And, wow. you know, and you can argue that he's just a well-focused guy, but you, you add a bit more focus to a really well-focused guy and where do you get yeah. it? Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, uh, well, when people say, well, it's a drug, you shouldn't be doing it. Well, it's food, you know, where, Putting things in our body, where it is a, that's such a long gray line. Yeah. Because I believe you can tip over the other end where you're dependent on substance. Right. Where people wake up and they do one drug and by noon they're on this other one and in the afternoon they're on cocaine. And yeah. Like this one guy was telling me the regime he was on for like five years. It was just one drug after the other all day long. Yeah. And then alcohol in the evening and party, party, party. Wow. And you just burn yourself out. Yeah. On the other end, you have food. You know, we need nutrients. We need these things. So what is a brain nutrient? Like we, to revisit that whole picture of what does our body need? Yeah. And we've been given these things naturally. How do we embrace that? How do we research it? So we can actually look and go, cannabinoid receptors, we didn't even know about those things a few years ago. Right. And our body's full of this receptor just for cannabis. Yeah. So what does that tell us? 
you know, our bodies were built for these things. Right. So how do we embrace those in a really healthy way? Right. It is going to make us better people and make the planet a better planet. Right. Not just to escape. Right. Drugs that are used as escape mechanisms, you know, yeah, people can make an argument. You just need a time to relax and chill out. Maybe that's true. But to me, that's not the important thing about psychedelics. It's no. about enhancement. Right. Living. Yeah. Full lives. Healing. Healing. Yeah. Trauma. Going through the trauma and figuring out yeah. how do I get past the trauma, not numb the trauma like SSRIs do. Right. So. Yeah, the, to be able to feel the bad part is how you want the good part, right? So if you're mm-hmm. just numbing everything, then, then how do you know what you want? I had a lady describe depression to me one time. She says, imagine like the dodgeball balls are pretty flexible. She goes, mm-hmm. if everyone, all your emotions are good, it's spinning just as a, a sphere. It's nice yeah. and round. But all of a sudden you put a lot of pressure on one side, like depression or happiness too much happiness uh, being manic Mm -hmm. she goes it twists that ball in a way that doesn't spin the way it's supposed to spin Mm. and it's just that i i thought so too and it really opened my eyes to go oh some people's ball is just not shaped the way it's supposed to be and they they really need help it's not they're being a baby it's not that they're uh, not sucking it up right there's lots of times when you feel or i feel like (laughs) well i'm just sucking it up and i think there's there's some power in being able to do that some, Some people can't. can't. And, At different uh, times in their lives, yeah. It's right. just and to be able to help those person, this lady in particular, like to, to be able to see her mm-hmm. just be happy when she needs to be happy mm-hmm. and to be able to feel pain in a way that she's supposed to feel mm-hmm. pain. I don't think we're not supposed to feel depressed. No. I think we're supposed to feel depressed. It's a trigger. It's a It's just not chronically. Right. You, you shouldn't feel it all day, every day. Yeah. But when you get, uh, you know, I definitely have times where I'm sit, sitting depressed and I, I use that as a tool to go, why? Why am I so depressed? Was I fought with my wife or I yelled mm-hmm. at my kids or I didn't do what I was supposed to do at work? And also, you know, yeah, that's probably it. I'm going to do that better next time or I'm going to go apologize. Yeah. And depression goes away. For the that's people, the same as pain. I mean, you touch a stove and your finger hurts. You move your finger quickly. I mean, it's telling you something that you need to change something. Exactly. It's just a response in your body. Yeah. And so your guys' goal, and you've said it before, but I just wanted you to re- reiterate what you said. It's not to numb the world around no. you. It's to, to enhance the no, world. No, it's and not to an make escape. Yeah. It's the opposite. It's like taking a big magnifying glass on your life and going, where's the problem here? What do I need to change? Yeah. And when healthy people do that, even better. I, I can like imagine. not just fixing depression or anxiety, but people that are living great lives and they go, you know, I just want to, one guy came to me, he said, I just want to make sure 10 years from now, I don't look back and say, I should have done that. Yeah. I want to look ahead and, and look into my life and go, what am I missing? Yeah. Great family guy. They just came back from overseas for a year. They took their kids over and they're living great lives. Yeah. And so he's just going, I just want to make sure. And he says, this is why I want to do this journey. Yeah. And it's just like, it's powerful stuff. So that, that's curious. So from your perspective, if how many people do you think do regular journeys as opposed, like, I mean, like maybe monthly, um, or how many people do you think would be like, I'm going to do mushrooms once a year? What, where do you think the balance is inside there? Mushrooms are not something you want to do every weekend. Yeah. It's too much work. <laughs> why, why is it so much work? Well, I mean, if you do it recreationally, you drop a gram of mushrooms, it feels good. The sky gets bluer and the trees get greener but you're doing deep mushroom work like journey work yeah and 
it shows you what you need to work on. So it's like you get the phone call and you get the message and now you got to go do the work. Yeah. And some people just, I have seen people that jump from, you know, every weekend they're doing something and they just never, you know, they get the message, but then they keep getting the same message because they haven't done the work. Yeah. Um, most people that do psychedelic, it's not a common frequent, frequent thing. Yeah. It's like I've heard people say best experience I ever did was LSD. How long ago was that? 25 years ago. <laughs> You know, so that that was their turning point that right. helped project, put their life on a different projectile. Yeah, but it's not like they do LSD every weekend. I, like I don't even know. the Maps model, they do three sessions with MDMA for PTSD. Okay, and that's it. Okay, they don't come back a year later and three. How, years. how long are the sessions? Uh, well, four hour MDMA is typically a four hour okay. journey type length. Yeah, uh, depending on the person, but generally three and a half to five hours. And uh, then it comes with counseling before, during, and after. Okay. So there's a lot of talk therapy working through what they saw and what they experienced and yeah. felt. I've heard quite a few entertainers talk about mushrooms and like it's a yearly thing. When I yeah. uh, when I when I do it, it 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 tells me what I'm supposed to do, mm-hmm. and they they takes them a year yep. to get down what totally. they're supposed to do. That's not and uncommon the, at all. And then they they move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I feel like everything's going really good. Let's do it again because I need yeah. a new challenge in my life. And I've people, heard people say, people close to me, it's like they, the medicine will speak to me yeah. when, I'm, when I'm supposed to do it again. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there'll be a nudge and it's like, yeah, it's time. It's time to go back. It's time to open up the, the closet and see what needs to be cleaned out. You know what's so curious about that? So my wife being a holistic nutritionist, we, we talk about nutrition in our mm-hmm. house at length. We, we have a Sunday group we, where we help teach people about nutrition and health okay. and stuff like that. Okay. And once your body understands something's good for it, it literally craves it. So when you mm-hmm. eat healthy foods, it'll crave healthy foods. If you eat crap foods, it'll crave crap foods, right? The, yep. the sugar, it'll, it's a deep craving for it. Yep. And it's funny how you say that about mushrooms where they'll go, like, their body will say, it's time. And if Mm -hmm. we're functionally listening or carefully listening to our body, Mm -hmm. it'll tell us what we need to do. It'll say, hey, it's time for this, or you need to stop that. And and I say this a lot at at our group is that when you do something nutritionally that you know you're not supposed to do, you know it. As Mm -hmm. soon as you pick it up, you and your mind go, I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, those potato just, chips. Just put really the good, damn chips you know. down, right? And and I get yeah. it. It's, it's harder for some people. They don't have willpower or they've mm. got a culture or belief or a pain that they're trying to overcome. Mm-hmm. With There's all those things that go along with the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not like they've been tricked. They mm-hmm. all know. They yeah. 100% know. I just, in my mind, when I'm like really, really healthy, uh, my body's just like, you need to go make a new broth. You need to go make a new soup. You need to get a good piece of protein in mm-hmm. you. It craves it so bad. You need to get to the gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the funny part of that one is, so I was really good last year. I lost 30 pounds. Um, uh, I was on this great path, and then I got my promotion. And now my brain is so overworked at the end of the day. No, and nothing left. I'm literally just like... Um, I don't even know what the word is. It's it's like I'm drowning in the day mm. that I can't go out and do the physical stuff anymore. Mm. And it's not that I can't. It's that I'm I'm like, okay, tomorrow's a big day. Like if you're going to war, 
you're not going to go drink. You're thinking about what are the techniques I need to be in this fight. That's what I feel like I'm at right now. And there's no power left for me to go like, okay, go take care of your body. Because it's like, okay, Uh your brain's going to get taxed tomorrow and you need to prepare for that. Until you get good at it and then you go, okay, now I can go back to the physical stuff. Have a bit of reprieve and push hard again. It's crazy. How long have we been talking? Oh my goodness. It goes so fast, doesn't it? It does fly by. (laughs) We have to figure yeah. out what we did with uh, OBS there to uh, to not get sound. I don't know. The, uh, the mixer source is there. Yeah. It just didn't fire it up. It was doing it earlier, but either way, yeah, it's all good. Before. We still have um, um, Audacity running, so we're good. So did you want to promote something? Did we miss something? Uh, the conference, you know, that to me is it's very exciting because it's a bit of a a baby that, between myself and some of these friends of mine have been able to birth. Yeah. And it's come together so amazingly well. Like the venues, Mount uh, Mount Royal, Ross Glen Hall, the, the big room there. Yeah. Beautiful space. Um, just the, the excellent people that are putting details together. And yeah. Even decor and just different people stepping up. And Beautiful. It's going to be a fun weekend. We'll share it throughout the year. Every yeah. time you send me a message, I'll make sure I share it yeah. with all our social media the um, you were saying in the message today, and I was at work, so I didn't get to do the. But you had uh, an idea for another guest for the podcast. Was that you that put that on? Well, maybe it was somebody else. Hmm. I was I sc- it might be. scrambling for this. Oh yeah, there we go. Yeah, Smash I can't, phone. I'm trying to think of who that. <clears throat> I don't think it was me. Well, if you do think of somebody, yeah. maybe it was someone else saying it to me. But if you yeah. do, definitely they're always we're always have a door open for for yeah. anyone that you recommend. Or maybe you want to set up a booth at the conference and interview some people. I would totally do that in a second to to, yeah. to go do some short interviews or or even some long interviews. I like the conversation part. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, for the listeners, there's a, a chance that we might be picked up by WestJet by their media oh, people, yeah, that's awesome. and uh, so I'm super pumped about that. But their yeah. concern is that our podcasts are an hour and a half to two hours long most of the too time. Long for the and one because their flights are very very short, and to get the um, so it's a weird thing. They give it to another company who change it to a specific type of media. They oh, give it to okay. Panasonic, who then put it into the plane. Um, gotcha. So however their system works yeah. is that it costs a lot more to do these long ones than it does yeah. to do the short ones. And so the the media uh, lead there, which I'm not going to say his name right now until he gets us on. I don't want to get him in trouble at work. Um <laughs> That uh, if it was shorter, and I explained to him, like, I really want this to be a conversation. That's yeah. how we grow and learn. And it's not yeah. just, I think that's how it sinks in better for me, that it's a conversation. Whereas if you just drilled me, like, there's 10 things I need you to understand yeah. in the next half hour, yeah. I'm like, in one ear and out the other. Yeah. <laughs> I'll remember this yeah. conversation for yeah. years to come. I, I yeah. wouldn't remember if I was in a classroom setting. And I know that's true because I yeah. barely made it through school. <laughs> So yeah, we'll definitely sure. promote the conference and uh, yeah. um, anything we can do to help out the conference. Yeah. Syntec Therapeutics, it's a company we're working on, but it's really not something we can promote except just to know that things are happening. Yes. It's very exciting. Yeah. The research and the applications for actual use, legal yeah. use of psychedelics. Yes. Um, that the whole underground thing is rising and it's going to come to the light. And Beautiful. Be used in ways that nobody looks at it being stigma or illegal or right. immoral, if that's their 
bent. I'm looking forward to the next 10 years of you coming on and just saying yeah. that next step and that next yeah. step and that next step. And this even is what since we're I was healing. here, it's huge. Right. Weeks. And it's been almost a year yeah. since uh, since you were here last. So that's yeah. one piddly little year, and it's made some yeah. massive changes. I'll bring somebody with me next time. For sure. Yeah, yeah. There's no, lots you're, of people I could bring that are full of information. So. You're welcome back anytime yeah. for any reason. Definitely as we get closer to the conference, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get you on a couple more times. That'd be and, awesome. And uh, promote it as best we can. Our our yeah. uh, listenership is growing regularly. So. That's very cool. Uh, it turns out it's mostly Calgary, too. So, oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah, so it's local, local. Well, the conference is bringing in attention from all over the world. So Beautiful. Um, but we want a good Calgary representative there. Cool, cool. Yeah, good, we'll work good it number out. of the people to be from our hometown. Beautiful, yeah. awesome. Well, awesome. everyone, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And uh, Eric, you want to uh, you want to go to outro? Hey, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. This podcast is over. <laughs>